I am so glad that we get to worship today. Yes, um, I realize that it is no longer Christmas, and um, I also realize that we actually started Advent a week early, and we're extending Advent uh, kind of a, a week past Christmas, um, and then the reason why we're doing that is because we can. <laughs> I, you know, and, and, and so today, actually, I'm going to break some other rules, and we're going to celebrate Epiphany today. Now, if you are, uh, you know, church, uh, church year scholars or, or something along those lines, you might, you might say, hey, Pastor Jay, 12 days of Christmas, you know? So traditionally, Epiphany is celebrated on the Sunday that is the closest to January 6th. You know, and I wanted to do it today. So we're doing it today. Uh, I, I know somebody's out there is going to be like, but that's not Epiphany. And, uh, you know, this and the other thing. You're going to start singing, you know, the, the 12 days of Christmas and, and talking to me about like, you know, partridges in a pear tree and lords are leaping and swans are something, you know, uh, you know, but today we're going to continue our series just, just, you know, and then wrap it up today that he shall be called in this whole entire Advent we've been walking through and, and just taking a, a closer look at the names that are given for Jesus Christ, especially through these Christmas narratives and what these names mean about who Jesus is, but also what those names mean for us. And so we've, we've kind of walked through that, that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the, the, the Savior. We've we talked about the fact that he was sent to be the Prince of Peace, that he is Emmanuel, God with us, that he is the Son of God, that he is Jesus, and that his very name means God saves, that he is our Savior, and that he is Christ the Lord. And today we're going to focus on him being the King of the Jews, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, that is exactly who Jesus is. And, and so as we, as we take a look at, a, at Epiphany, Epiphany, the, the, the meaning of Epiphany is actually to show or to reveal and it's this day that was traditionally celebrated um, when uh, the, the eighth day or something along or close to that after the birth of Christ. And then you're celebrating the, uh, the day that, that Jesus was brought to the temple, that the offerings were offered, and that, um, and that his identity was revealed, that he is the Son of God, and that he was circumcised and re received his name. And, and, and so we're doing it maybe not on the traditional day, but as we think about Epiphany, as we think about the king of the Jews, I can't help but think about that star. That star. That star that revealed who Jesus was and where he was living, that star was created by God through the mouth of Jesus. 
If you look all the way to the beginning at Genesis chapter 1, uh, God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the, the day from the night and let there be signs, uh, let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years and let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth and it was so. God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night, and the stars. God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning the fourth day. As the Apostle John was writing Jesus' story, in, in the first chapter, he talks about Jesus, and he says this, that the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Yes, the world was made through him. He is the true light. And one of those stars, one of those stars that he spoke into existence, God chose it and used it for a special purpose to announce the birth of his son to announce the, the coming of the king of the Jews, to announce that the king of kings has arrived. But God's people didn't always have a king. They didn't. If you think back to God's people, and you know, we do like a little survey on, a survey on God's people, and, you know, that, that God's people were called. They didn't. King Abraham didn't have a king. He was a wanderer in the land. And sure enough, as years went on, the, you know, the, the children of Israel, God's people, they got enslaved in Egypt. And the only king that they knew was Pharaoh, who was the, the slave driver who imprisoned them and forced them into hard labor. But God heard their cries. God heard their pleas. God heard them begging for someone to rescue and so God sent Moses to lead them out, and God saved them. God saved them from slavery. God saved them out of Egypt. God led them miraculously. God saved the dead, and God led them to Mount Sinai, where God met with his people. God came down onto Mount Sinai, and the mountain just shook. There was clouds. There was lightning. There was thunder. There was smoke around the mountain. It was just terrifying. And then God told Moses, hey, tell all the people not to come near the mountain. Well, yeah, no kidding. I'm not going near that mountain. No, thank you. And up on that mountain, before God ever gave any commands, before he gave the big 10, you know, he said this, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. God saved them. 
God led them. God gave them his ways. We just like to call them commandments because we have a propensity to not live his way. That's called sin. But they didn't need a king because God was their God, their ruler, their sustainer. God provided everything that they needed. When they cried out and said, we're thirsty, he gave them water. When, he said, when they said, we're hungry, he gave them bread. When he said, we're still hungry, he gave them quail. God did everything for them because God loves them. God then led them to the promised land and he, he brought them into a place and he said, hey, this is your own. And it was kind of rough going there for a little while, but they did. They settled in God's promised land. But it didn't take too long for God's people to start looking around. God's people, they, even though they had the prophet Samuel, even though they, they had a prophet who would speak, remember what I told you, a prophet is, a, is, someone, is God's guide to speak God's word to God's people and God's timing. And God had provided uh, them with Samuel and he spoke God's word to them, but people wanted to do their own thing. And so they met with Samuel, and, we say, and they said, Hey, Samuel, you're getting pretty old. And your kids, they're not good. They're not good kids. Now, me personally, I would find that, you know, not an okay thing to do. I mean, think about it. Like, this nation, the leaders of the nation, come to Samuel, God's prophet, and say, Hey, you're getting pretty old. Well, thanks a lot. Thanks for noticing. Thanks for pointing that out. I appreciate that. Now, I get that all the time. Hey, your beard is whiter. And he's, I know. Not like I have any control over it. You're getting, looking kind of I'm like, I haven't seen you since high school. <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> but to insult somebody's age and then pick on his kids? Ugh, that's a No. <laughs> Hey, so you guys out there, if you see some family that you haven't seen for a while, please, A, pick on their age. B, please do not insult their children. You know, let's just stay together as a family. But, they, but God's people weren't concerned with that. You see, they started looking at na nations around them, and God's people were like, ah, uh, they've got They've got a king. He's not a great king, but he is a king. They got one. And they said to Samuel, hey, you're going to die soon. Ouch. You're going to die soon, so we want a king. Samuel said, you don't, no, 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 no. You don't want a king. You got God. And they're like, no, 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 no. We want a king. We want a king that everybody can see. We want one that you can touch. We want like a, a tall, dark, and handsome king, you know? And so they got Saul. Because Saul was tall, dark, and handsome. A full head taller than most people around him. But Saul had a problem. Saul was scared. And he let fear rule his decision making. I gotta tell you, it never works out. If you're gonna let fear make your decisions for you, it just doesn't work out. And sure enough, Saul, King Saul was scared. 
He's scared what people thought of him. He's scared about what to do next. And so Saul did what was right in his own eyes. And he started little by little rejecting God and rejecting God's way. They wanted a king. They got Saul. Saul turned away from God and God removed his Holy Spirit from Saul. And then God chose a king. God chose a special king, a boy. Just a little boy. But God saw in this boy named David, God saw something that no one else could see. God saw that David had a heart after his own heart. That means that God loved what God loves and, God, and, and David hated what God hated. God, David loves God's holiness and his majesty. David loved God. And David hated sin, even his own. And so God chose him to be the king of his people and he promised him that of his lineage, that one of his descendants, one of his sons, would be the king of the Jews who would reign forever and ever. And of the end of his kingdom, there would be no end. Then at just the right time, at the perfect moment, with a chosen virgin girl, God sent his son of the lineage of David to be the king of the Jews, to fulfill his promise that God would send a savior king. If you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to Matthew chapter 2. And let's hear about King Jesus. Matthew 2, starting in verse 1, reading in Jesus' name because it's God's word, not mine. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all of Jerusalem with him. Assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, that's Micah, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he, and he sent them to Bethlehem uh, saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring, word, bring me word so that I too may come and worship him. And after listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them, and until it came to rest right over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. 
And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh, and, and being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed by another way. Here ends the reading of God's word. So after Jesus is born, he's still in, they're still living in Bethlehem. They, apparently, they made their way out of the barn into a house. Now that's great news. And when Jesus was born, God chose one of those stars. God chose those very special stars to proclaim the birth of of the Son of God, the King of the Jews, the King of Kings. And these wise men, they, they see this star, and it's highly likely, that it says that they are magi from the east, quite possible from Babylon, given the types of gifts that they have, but we don't know exactly, and we don't know how many of they are. Yes, sorry to ruin your, you know, your Christmas card with the three, you know, th we three kings and the song, if you like that one, you know. We don't know how many there were, and we don't even know exactly where they're from, although there's some signals it could be from Babylon. Some people have, have guessed that maybe it was even as far east as China. We just don't know. We just know east, that way, or where am I? Whatever way it is. That way. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and, and so they, they come from the east because they know they saw the star. And they traveled for months just to get there to worship the king. And so they show up in Jerusalem because, hey, where's the capital of, you know, of the Jews? It's Jerusalem. And so they go to the, and they go to the palace and they, you know, and they, you know, you, you get to the palace, you're in Jerusalem. They're looking for the, the king who was born and uh, so embarrassing. <laughs> Nobody knew. You got wise men from the east who found out that the king was born, but does Herod know? No. Well, Herod's not really you know, one of God's people. Uh, he was part Jewish, but Rome had established him as king. But he was not of the line or the lineage of David. King Herod was a mean and cruel man who murdered anybody in his way. And so, when he got a little nervous about the announcement that a king was born. All of Jerusalem got nervous with him because they're worried about what's he going to do? What's he going to do? How many is he going to kill? He brings them in and he gathers all the chief priests and scribes and he's like, so... Where's the Christ supposed to be born? Where's the Messiah? Where's, the, where's this son of God guy? Where's this, you know, savior who would come? Where is the next king of the Jews supposed to be born? And they open up the scriptures and I, it appears as if they didn't know it right off the top of their tongue either, which that too is a little bit embarrassing. But they find out right there in, in Micah that Micah prophesied, God speaking through him, Bethlehem. Bethlehem's the place. That's the place where the Messiah will be born. The one who will shepherd his people, our good shepherd. 
not too far uh, from Jerusalem. And so, and so King Herod, you know, gathers these wise men from the east together secretly. That sounds scary. He's not a good dude. If he gathers you up secretly, you might not come back. Um, and so he gathers them secretly and says, hey, Go to Bethlehem. You're going to find, you know, the, the king, king of the Jews there. And when you find him, you let me know so I could go and worship. Because Herod had a plan. You see, Herod's plan was to kill any would-be king of the Jews. But as soon as the wise men leave... Man, that star, it's back. It reappears. I mean, that is one of the coolest things that I've ever heard. A, a star reappears. But wait, it gets better. This star is like a is like God-chosen like superstar. And I'm like, this star gets chosen, it reappears, and it moves. How cool is that? A star moves. This is way more drones. I know if you're thinking about that way before drones, drones, Kale. You know, I know you like remote control things, not a drone. You know, how cool would it have been? Drones like spelling out Jesus is here, <laughs> like a flashing arrow. That would have been cool, but no, they didn't need it. God didn't need it. Because one of the stars that he created, he chose, he moved, he reappeared, and then it stopped right over the house where the king of the Jews was. And way more convenient than what I thought they were going to have to do. Maybe what they thought they were going to have to do. I mean, we're, these wise men must have been wise, but at the same time, how do you find something? You already went to the wrong address once. Now you got to go, like, go to Bethlehem and start knocking on doors. Hey, is the king here? Hey, is the king here? Kind of reminds me of... Kind of reminds me of an embarrassing time for myself when I was a, uh, a little bit younger. Uh, my, my parents, my, my mom and dad are here today. Thank you, mom and dad. My parents were, uh, were, you know, were dropping me off at somebody's house for a sleepover. So, you know, I had the, I had the backpack and the pillow in my hand. And, and, and I, you know, drove me and, you know, stopped in front of a house that I had not been to before. And I walked up and knocked on the door and I said, hey, and I can't even remember whose house it was. You know, hey, is so-and-so here? And they're like, no. <laughs> I closed the door. So I'm like, hello, try the next one, <laughs> knock on the door. Hey, is my friend here? <laughs> Can I stay with you tonight? I'm like, you know, I'm like, I don't even, I don't remember how many houses I knocked on. I just remember it being slightly embarrassing to just start knocking on doors. Like, hey, is my friend here? Can I stay at your house? You know, and, uh, it, you know, but think about how embarrassing it would be for Magi. I mean, these are wealthy, knowledgeable people who made it all the way from the east to Jerusalem. Yet, can you imagine them going door to door? Didn't have to, thankfully. Instead, God gave them a star. A star to lead them. A star to guide them. A star to show them exactly where the king of kings was. And they entered into that house. And they saw Jesus. 
And they saw Mary. And then they fell on their faces. They fell on their faces and worshipped him. That's amazing. These wealthy, successful, knowledgeable people who traveled for months to see the king of the Jews fell face down in front of a little boy and worshipped him. Because in that moment when they came face to face with the Son of God, the King of Kings, not only had God revealed to them who he is, but I think coming face to face with Jesus reveals to us a bit about who we are. And so they kneel face down, worshiping. Worshiping the King of the Jews. We don't do that. We don't, we don't kneel much. And it's not just because, you know, our knees are sore or it's hard to get up a little bit. We don't kneel. We don't get down. We don't prostrate ourselves face to the floor when we worship. We don't do that. We just, I don't know if it's just our, like culturally we have, you know, far more pride or something along that lines. We're, we're far more concerned with like us being on equal standing and looking at each other, you know, in the eye and things like that. But even as we come before the Lord, we don't kneel. We don't fall on our faces. And why is that? We come face to face with Jesus in worship. We open up God's word in worship. My guess is that we, like King Herod and like King Saul, we want what we want. We kind of want to live our lives on our terms. And that reveals the painful truth that more, than, more often than not, we do not want a king. We do, want, we do not want a king. We, we want a savior, but more often than not, we don't want a king. Years later, Becca read the call to worship years later after Jesus is arrested, dragged off to Pilate so that he could be crucified. Pilate's interviewing him. And Pilate asks him some questions. Pilate says, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered, do you say this of your own accord or do others say this uh, say it to you about me. And Pilate answered him, I, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have I done? What have you done? And Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. 
If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not of this world. Pilate said to him, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king, and for this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate, in frustration, answered him, What is truth? Soon after, he handed him over to be crucified. And in Matthew 27, verse 37, it says this, And over his head, They put a charge that was against him, which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. The King of the Jews. That very same title that the Magi inquired about. They traveled for months from the east Where is he who was born king of the Jews? And then years later, as he hangs on the cross, to save us, Jesus, the Savior's name means God saves. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah the anointed one, the, God, the one God chose, Jesus, the King of the Jews, hung on the cross to pay the debt for all of our sins. All, every single one, for every single person. And he gave his life for us. Jesus, the King of the Jews. Because he loves us. He gave it all for us. This very same Jesus who spoke the stars into existence. One that shone right over his house. This very same Jesus who magi fell on their faces and worshipped him. This very same Jesus, the King of the Jews, hung on a cross for you and for me. You see, as, as those men from the east bowed in worship, right there, God declared that Jesus wasn't just the King of the Jews. You see, they weren't Jews, neither was Pilate. They weren't Jews, They still bowed and worshiped him because right there, God declared that Jesus is everyone's king, that he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. But if we're honest, sometimes when we come before before King Jesus, we don't bow. We confess that we don't always want a king. Most often we just want to 
do whatever we want to do. We just want to have a little Jesus on the side. But he doesn't do that. Jesus is the king of kings. So this, this epiphany, or at least this day that we're celebrating epiphany, my hope in prayer is that as God is revealing Jesus to us, that he is the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the king of the Jews, and the king of you too. That we would confess that most often we just want to do our own thing and we want what we want. That we would confess most of the time, I just want to be my own king because I just want to be in charge of my life and do what I want. But as we come before Jesus, we cannot help but notice, we can't help but fall on our faces and recognize that he is the king of kings and we need a king. We need a king who saves, who forgives, and who loves us. So we get to fall on our faces and worship him, even if we don't always want to. Because Jesus is the king of kings. Let's pray. Lord God and Heavenly Father, we come before you to worship you. You are high and lifted up. You are seated on a throne and continually worshiped. You shine in the light of your glory. You are awesome, Lord. And Lord Jesus, you are seated at the right hand of God the Father, interceding for us because we confess to you that we sin against you, that we fall short, that we don't kneel, that we don't bow, that all too often we want to be our own king. We confess to you, Lord, that we've sinned against you in our, in our thoughts and in, 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 in the things that we've said and in our actions. Please forgive us. Thank you, Jesus, for dying so that we could be forgiven. You are our king, and we need you. And we recognize that you supply all of our needs. Everything that we need, King Jesus, you supply. We just don't always realize it. So we ask you, Lord, Lord God, King Jesus, please draw near to us. We pray, Lord God, that you would remind us that you are the Christ, the Messiah, the one that we need to save us. We pray, Lord God, that you would remind us that you are the Prince of Peace, that when we're hurting, and when we're mourning, when we're worried or when we're anxious, you are our Prince of Peace. 
and you give us peace that, that rises above, that transcends what's going on in our today. That you are Emmanuel, God with us, and, and you have a plan to take us to be with you forever so that you will always be with us. that you are the one who saves us, Jesus, and that you are also our king. We need you as king. Please, Lord God, supply our needs, our spiritual needs, as well as just some physical needs and, and mental and emotional needs. We need you. We need you, King Jesus. We ask you, Lord God, through the power of your Holy Spirit to lead and guide us. Will you lead us in paths of righteousness for your sake? Will you, will you prepare good works in advance that we should walk in them, King Jesus? Will you speak into our lives when, when we want to go our own way Will you remind us of your way? We pray, Lord God, that you would continue to remind us that you love us and that you are our king forever and ever. It's in your name we pray, King Jesus. Amen.